Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet with Xfinity Flex, a 4K streaming device included, so you can search less and watch more. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Flex. Are you ready? Let's make some noise, come on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Broad Street Line. I'm Roy Burton. Alongside me, as always, my tag team partner, the man who would be my first pick in the first round of the NFL Draft, one Chris Domingo. Mr. Domingo, how are you doing this air quote Saturday morning, sir? Uh, Roy, it's almost been a full – no, it's been six days Mm -hmm. since I felt my life was being turned upside down because I'm not going to lie, around like I think was it 930? Uh, last Friday, I really thought my like life was like crumbling because compare it like because you just put yourself in that boat on last Friday because I saw this tweet from Schefter to say ex- like wait for this bombshell and I'm like ah what could it be and then I see Jalen Hurts Eagles and I'm like pardon pardon <laughs> and yeah, yeah. and I and I, I think we've all kind of done the the gymnastics and I'm really interested to see what everyone has to say about this because there's not a clear answer to this much less to everything in sports. And and I think for me, I had to get over the initial like, like shock and awe and be like, okay, let's deal with, let's deal with the reality. And then let's, let's come up with some nuanced takes, not, not the scalding takes and not the cold takes, but the nuanced ones. No, there is a real answer to that. We have the man with the real answer on with us today. Very special guest joining us in the lab today. My good friend from Birds Outsiders, Jason Ashworth. Mr. Ashworth, how you doing, man? I, you know, I guess I'm doing about as well as anybody can be doing right now. Um, and I mean, I would even say arguably better than some are doing because mm-hmm. for me, uh, I mean, Chris was talking about the shock and the awe. And admittedly, I think we all felt the shock and the awe. Uh, but for me specifically, and I know we'll get into it, you know, I'm not I don't, I don't think I'm as upset. I don't think the shock and all lasted as long as it did uh, for me as it did with others. So for me, look, I'm excited. That's what I am. I'm anxious. When you gave me the opportunity to come on here and uh, and chat a little bit, chop it up a little bit, mm-hmm. specifically about this second round pick and, and the draft overall. I'm excited because it's not a conversation. It's not a topic that can be answered in so many characters on Twitter. It's not a topic that can be uh divulged in one post on Facebook. It's something you have to breathe through it. You have to talk through it. So I'm excited about that back and forth. And not only explaining my side, but more importantly, understanding Chris's side, your side, perhaps, mm-hmm. on, on maybe why it wasn't a good take. I'm, I'm glad you made the point. This is not a this is not a conversation, like you said, for 280 characters. It's not. It's not a conversation for text messages. You sent me a text, and you know, I I, I saw it. Then I put my phone down, and I got busy. Then I didn't have my phone the next day, and it was just crazy. But I'm like, you know, what? I don't even want to have this text conversation because this is a longer form conversation to have. Because again, no one's going to be convinced one way or the other through a couple of tweets or a but we're not 280 character guys because the crux of this is 720 characters. Hell, it might be 7,000 characters. I, I think that's – and it really comes back to what's your – like how do you approach this? Like, like there are so many angles in terms of, of – of, for me, like theories, like, I don't know, like, is, is it the, is it the shelf life, the, the franchise shelf life of Carson Wentz? Is it the strange obsession that this Eagles organization has with mobile quarterbacks? Like, cause it still comes back to, um, you still can't get over not draft. Oh, almost drafting Russell Wilson, which I'm sick of hearing at this point. I mean, it's like, yeah, I almost won the lottery five years ago. Am I still talking about it? Well, well, here, well, here's the thing. Before we get into that, though, let me ask you, Jason, because, again, you have kind of turned 180 on this. Let me ask you, though, your initial reaction Friday night when you saw the news or when you heard that Jalen Hurts was a 53rd pick. What was your initial reaction? 
So the absolute initial reaction was I was pissed. I was I was in shock. I was in awe. It didn't make any sense to me. My immediate response was to text a handful of my buddies, was to um, send out a couple notes saying, I don't look, I don't like it. I don't like, and, and, and it was literally just that it was, I don't like it. And that, that was the end of the text. And then I just kind of sat on it uh, and it stewed. I, I, it, it started to ferment in me and bubble up. And I didn't, I didn't really speak to anybody uh, on Friday night. I didn't vent. I didn't do Cause I wanted to see kind of what was happening. Was there a trade in place, which was very unlikely in the NFL for you to draft a guy to trade. I mean that, but, but who knows, right? You have no idea. I don't, I obviously didn't know what was going on. And then I saw him, you know, go with uh, Davion Taylor in the third. And it was just another one of those picks where I said, okay. But again, not who maybe I had targeted in the third round. I was a guy who was telling you they were going to double dip at wide receiver. I felt it was that important. So I initially was, if you're talking about just initially, all Friday night confused to the point where when I woke up on Saturday and I even put it out, I mean, I've been looking forward to this draft for months. We all have. Mm -hmm. So for me to wake up on Saturday and need to get away, need to turn the draft off. I got a, I'm pissed <laughs> oh, off man. at this point. I was not only angry about the pick, but at that point I was pissed off because I felt like the Eagles took something away. Like I had my whole day planned on Saturday. I was looking forward to enjoying yes. it. And I had to call my pops and just vent. I had to get it all out because it was the first opportunity I had. So if you're asking me what my initial reaction was, that was it. I was frustrated. I was shocked. I was in awe. I was pissed. No, no, for, no. For me, that like I like you, Jason. This is the first live pseudo live sporting event in six weeks. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna like, I don't know, I'm gonna get good food da, 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 all all weekend. And then once that like tr like no, and, and one, I think it was kind of a continuation of of of, of night one because everyone saw what was happening with with the cd lamb thing where like i mean like like people like it, it was just like the trip couldn't have worked out better in terms of like uh of wide receivers not getting selected and then it's like wow there like there's a chance that you could trade up and then it doesn't happen and it happens with your rival so that was that kind of like like kicked me in the knee and then it still hurt a little bit, but you're like, oh, it's another day. Like you, you got you got the second and third round. And then once that happens, I literally turned off the draft. I'm like, no. <laughs> and I, I'm like, if you would have told me a week ago, you'd be like, I would have turned off the draft mid second round. I would have been like, have you? Did you realize there was a pandemic and there hasn't been anything on? But I literally followed the rest of the draft on in my bed from my phone because I was just like, <laughs> no, I, I, I just like it, it, it's one of those if you expect back the kick in the knee or or somewhere else it it doesn't hurt as much that was a kick in the knee i did not expect and 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 to be honest it kind of lasted until like maybe like the middle of saturday saturday uh, ray didinger a, a kindly old man who we see jason on sundays drinking his diet coke he said mm. that <laughs> he's been following eagles drafts for 50 years and he's never seen a pick that stunned him that's a direct quote from Ray Denninger until this Jalen Hurd situation. I think we all felt the same way on Friday. I think we can all agree on that. And Chris, like you said, you know, the justification part is kind of where you try to reason with yourself and figure out why this pick happened. Like, you know, is it because they believe Carson Wentz is injury prone? Is it because they think he's going to retire early like Andrew Luck? There was the whole Adam Schefter coronavirus thing, which is weird. Which, <laughs> get that again, out of here. Get that nonsense what, <laughs> out of here. That, that, that's where we go off the deep end. So, my main issue with this pick, and Jason, I'll, I'll turn it over to you after I say this. My main issue with this pick is I expect – No, no, no. Sorry, Roy. Your yeah. main issue right now, like after after processing it for, for almost a week, like the, the, these are your current issues with the selection of Jalen Hurts. These are my past, my current, and my future <laughs> issues with the pick of Jalen Hurts at 53. The Eagles had, have had bigger needs than a backup quarterback – at that position. I expect multiple impact players in a draft. I expect you to draft those guys and your better chances of getting those impact players come in their first, second, and third rounds. I think they could have used that pick on a player who would contribute immediately. I don't think Jalen Hurts is that guy. That's my issue. J Jason, if you want to rebut that, please feel free. And, well, it's not a rebuttal because it, it's not like I'm going to sit here and tell you, A, initially I didn't agree with you, and B, mm -hmm. that you're necessarily wrong. I, I understand it. I wanted a guy that I thought – could impact slash help Carson Wentz right now. That's where I thought that they were going. The reason I freaked out or I flipped out is because 
for me, it didn't make sense. And for me, when I can't make logical sense about something, when I can't see something and connect dots to make it make sense for me, I get frustrated. And that's where I'll start jumping off the deep end. But as the draft played out, it started to line up for me anyway. It started mm-hmm. to make sense for me. And what I mean by that is you look at a guy, their first overall pick, right? Jalen Rieger, not overall, but their, their first pick. What is he, right? Is he an inside guy? Is he an outside guy? Jalen Rieger said himself, I'm neither. I'm not a slot guy. I'm not, I'm a wide receiver. You mm-hmm. put me out there. I'm going to go make plays. And, and then you move down. Let's skip. Let's just skip Jalen Hurts, right? Because this is what I mentioned this earlier. But when you talk about Taylor, when you talk about Wallace, you talk about two guys who are they tweeners where they can play multiple positions. Both of them are athletic and versatile. Jack Driscoll, versatile. He's got snaps at tackle. He's got snaps at guards. He's doing pre-draft workouts at center. And you just you start going down the list of the players that they targeted, whether it be Sean Bradley, who's going to be They'll give him a shot at linebacker, but most likely it's just this athletic freak that they'll get some snaps on, on special teams. Their draft throughout was about getting guys targeting players who were athletic and most importantly were versatile that can help in multiple positions, that they didn't have a specific – this is your – not necessarily position, but this is your position group. So then when you look at that and you say, okay, well, hold on, let's back up. Now let's take a look at Jalen Hurts. If their goal, if their idea, if their strategy was to target that type of player, the quarterback position is not absent of that. And they Mm -hmm. felt in their mind that if we're going to draft a quarterback, we're going after a guy that checks off these boxes that we want as a football player. The guy that hits all those boxes more than any in this draft, you can say, the the quarterback who's the most versatile is Jalen Hurts. And they obviously felt there was such a far drop-off as evident by him going 53 and then Eason going at 122. So the rest of the league kind of agreed with that, that there's such a far drop off that we've got to get him here at 53. Fine. Whether I like it or not, and whether I agree with it or not, it tells me that that front office, that the GM, the organization as a whole is on the same page. They've got a plan, Mm -hmm. they've got a strategy and they're executing it. So far be it from me to tell them whether we don't know if it's going to work or not. But I do see that they've got a plan and an ideology and a strategy. They're not shooting from the hip. They're targeting their guys and going and getting them. If it doesn't work, Roy, we mm-hmm. can hold them accountable. But until we know anything, I'm here to sit back. I'm going to let it play out. They've earned that with me anyway. Now, now see, this is, see, this is why having just, just well-reasoned human beings with brains that watch sports is good. Because <laughs> I took it from a different perspective. Okay. I looked at all these picks, and I said to myself, Factoring in the, the, the rate of production from rookies in, in certain rounds or whatever, how many of these picks help in 2020? And I say not many. And, and, I th- and for me, like, like it, it's one of those things where like you read a book and you come up with your kind of theorems or whatever. I see this draft as an upside draft for future years. I, I, I don't see, I don't see this as a draft to, to kind of win now, because I've always thought that this Eagles talent pool was a couple years away anyway, because I, I, I mean, this is what happens when you don't draft well for a couple of years is you really feel the need to kind of replenish the cupboard. However, in the same breath, I don't like wasting a year of, of, of a, of a supposed friend, because I, I mean, and for me, that's that sub thing is how long do you think that this organization feels Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback? Because that's what I feel like with this Jalen Hurts pick is I, and something must have happened along the way for this regime or this organization to realize, OK, we can't put all the eggs in Carson Wentz. So this for me was kind of a OK, we have a really good quarterback now, but we don't know how long we're going to have him. So we better stock up in the event that he ain't around. And all these guys, because, I, I mean, all these guys look cute on tape. And, and like, I, I, I'm not, I'm no draft expert. I don't know how they're going to pan out. But these guys seem like a year or two away from, from being, like, legit. And for Carson Wentz, I, I, I know Rager can probably do some things to help out in 2020. But other than that, and maybe Wallace, what are these guys helping to win games in 2020? So, and, and let me answer that by presenting this. I mean, I think, like you mentioned earlier, logical guys, let's just talk sports, let's use our brains a little bit. And we all know that when, 
if winning football organizations, right? If they want to win for the long term, they build that up through the draft. The draft is for the future. You address free agency for some spots here and there to kind of fill some holes, put you over the top. You don't build your team from for today and tomorrow through the through free agency. You build it through the draft. So while we as fans, we want to win every year, of course, and every and every GM's goal, every good GM's goal should be to win every year, but it's also about maintaining that window. So he is looking at, okay, guys that can help me now, but guys that can help me more importantly in the future as well. So I think that kind of speaks to your point of, yeah, maybe they don't all help right away. I don't see a lot of draft classes throughout the NFL where all those guys help right away, but he's planning for the future. No problem with that. When I get into the Wentz conversation and we look at, because really that's, that's what this whole thing is about. It's not mm-hmm. about Jalen Hurts. We all agree Jalen Hurts, the player, is fine. It's the fact that Carson Wentz is, is on this 53-man roster that's creating – all this drama and controversy. And when I look at Wentz, I say, okay, let's, let's take a side. All right. Coronavirus, put that out the window. Cause that's just one of the silliest things that I've heard personally. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, I don't personally think that it's about him retiring early, although, and albeit the Colts wouldn't have said that either when Andrew Luck retired early. So, and, and again, maybe that is in the back of their head. Okay. So what am I going to fault them for having a cognitive thought and planning just in case like a smart organization would do. But I think ideally we need to get out of this idea that Carson Wentz is somehow offended. We need to get out of this, this thought notion that somehow Carson Wentz is afraid of competition or we're undermining him by making sure a position that is the most important position in football, potentially the most important position in all of sports that we don't have any depth there that we don't have a just in case and we've seen it i'm not telling you he's injury prone but we saw it in 17 and we saw it in 18 and we saw it how 19 ended there unfortunately the backup quarterback has played more than we're all comfortable with in philadelphia yeah. no I, so why I, would we not address it no and i think that is you you can call these injuries fluke or or or, sure. or what have you however but the fact is your quote-unquote franchise quarterback did not finish three straight seasons. That I mean, that is an absolute fact, and and that's and that's real. So I think that's for me is I I can't really I understand the pick, but I don't. You don't like it, and Roy. <laughs> no, they've always valued the backup quarterback. Always, at least under Doug Peterson, they had Chase Daniel. They're paying him what nine ten millions uh, nine ten million dollars to hold a clipboard. Carson's rookie year. And then they go out and they get uh, Carson. Uh, I'm sorry, Nick Foles, four million, and then eight and twelve million. Right. They're investing in the backup quarterback position again. They're just doing it with draft capital yeah, instead no. of financial dollars. So no, I, they're no. still investing. No, it really is the like I said, it's like the football currency exchange. Yes. Where like like the fifty like the fifty second pick, which is going to be cost control for four to five years in a position that, that you feel is really important. I mean, hell, it proved to be important is the same as spending $10, $11 million on a Teddy Bridgewater or Nichols. Right. Now, if you went into 2020, right, if we went into 2020 and they didn't, let's just say, and for all the people that said, oh, well, you could have just drafted a quarterback. All right, let's take Fromm, for example. Okay, fantastic. You got Fromm in the fifth round. Would you have felt comfortable going into 2020, whether we have Super Bowl aspirations or not, let's just kind of see how that plays out. But as fans, we're going to be hyped, and that's our expectation to at least make a run at that. All things considered, all context considered, are you comfortable with Sudfeld and Fromm or Sudfeld or whoever they, whoever else they add uh, in the draft in the later rounds? I'm not telling you that Jalen Hurts is that, is that dude and we have no questions because, uh, honestly, we don't know. But I'm telling you right now, I wasn't necessarily comfortable with just Sudfeld as a backup. I mean, I loved McCown last year, but I don't think any of us went in there and said, hey, don't worry. McCown's the backup. We'll be mm-hmm. just fine. They're investing in the position, and I think hopefully we don't have to witness it, but I think they're smarter for it. But that's the thing, though. I don't feel comfortable at all. Jalen Hurts, if Jalen Hurts had to play at any point in 2020, I don't feel confident in Jalen Hurts being able to lead this team to victory why? week over week. Over week. Why? Because I, and because, I'm just curious why. Right, no, I'm just saying because, I, because, first of all, because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen how many rookie quarterbacks, you know, in the who weren't drafted early. How many rookie quarterbacks, period? But how many rookie quarterbacks drafted after round one are going to come in, you know, in in their rookie season and be overly productive for a long stretch? I don't see it. Like I, I again, I I understand the value of having a backup. I understand the, the whole cost control nature. I get it. I still can't reconcile the fact that again, I've I went through every I went through all the drafts last 30, 40 years. 
There's never been a chance time where a 27 year old franchise quarterback who just signed a huge contract come turns around and then the next April his team drafts you know his maybe replacement or whatever whatever you want to call Jalen Hurts in the second round with that much draft capital. If just, this is your guy, if this is your franchise player yeah, in, the, guy, in the in the prime of his career, yeah. you have to surround him with everything you got, man. Or, you have or, to. No, I, no, but I think it comes back to do these like that's why I don't feel like this this Eagles 2020 team is not a super like is not a Super Bowl caliber team. It's not. But it, and, but it could be, right? No. It could have no, been. No, see, that's where I think I like regardless of what you would have done. I still don't think you're a Super Bowl caliber team. You you would have been a hell of a lot closer if you made a couple different picks, but that's where I feel like do they like are they all in on this on this guy that that gave 100 million dollars to? That is my like and and I think and for me I want to go back to the human element of this. Do we care, like eat like you can we can say whether Carson isn't or isn't or isn't upset. Do the Eagles care? No. They don't. Should they? They don't no, Why should they? they, don't they don't Why should right. they? No, they, they probably shouldn't, and they probably shouldn't. Like, you don't think? Oh yeah. This this is the thing that, that gets me right because we're talking about an NFL quarterback, the leader of men, a guy who you're you paid this dude one hundred and thirty million dollars, and you're telling me that if I go and I and I invest in anybody other than him, that somehow he's going to catch feelings over it. You're we're acting like. He didn't have to compete for his job in college. We're acting like he didn't have to compete for his job when he got here in Philadelphia. We're acting like he didn't have to deal with the, the Nick Foles situation. Guys don't get to this level without competition, without being pushed, without having that mental makeup. I'm not worried about Carson Wentz's mental. He can handle that. That that's good with me. We need to. And I'll tell you what: the bigger picture here that I think everyone's blowing over. If we are so worried about Carson Wentz's mental makeup and how this is going to affect his psyche and, ooh, can Carson Wentz handle it? There's a bigger problem than Jalen Hurts. The problem mm-hmm. is the quarterback because you need that alpha dog. If you're going to win in the NFL, if you're going to be that dude that we want to say he is, you've got to have that mentality. So shame on us for questioning the dude. I feel like we're offended for him. Yeah, I feel like no, we're the ones getting sensitive no, for no, him. But I also feel like with all the – stuff that he's gone through maybe you want to make a better working environment like i i mean like you got past all that false stuff but what you're saying is like like sharpen him like i i mean like it, it just feels like you're like and and one this is where i like i feel like like some people just want to baby a franchise yeah. quarterback and yeah. and i'm a and i think i'm in the middle where i want to make it ideal but let's not like i don't know like Let's not rub his bunions every time. Like, like he's got to feel like heat because he's like, I like you should have high expect. Your your bar for your franchise quarterback should be a lot higher than I don't know your defense, like your best defensive end. Like, and, and I think that's what you're saying, Jason. Is like, dude, like I, I like and and one like I watched every Bird Outsiders. You were you were constructively critical about Carson Wentz. However, you weren't critical for the sake of being – like, you have high expectations for a yes. franchise quarterback, and you should. Yes, and, and this is part of that. Like, if you, and if you watch The Last Dance, which I know that you do, they talked to Dennis Rodman. He said, look, I'll play this game for free. I get paid to deal with this stuff. Mm-hmm. That is what they're paying Carson Wentz. Look, he'll play the game for free. We know that, but you're getting paid $128 million because of what you can do on the field, yes – but look, you're getting paid buku dollars. If you have to put in, if you have to put up with the fact that we drafted a second round, okay, so maybe we kept Nick Foles around longer than you were comfortable with, and maybe we're going to bring in Jalen Hurst to kind of push you in practice or just bring competition to. I'll tell you this: whoever got Jalen Hurts, regardless of the team, that quarterback room gets better. That quarterback room gets smarter. The dude is athletic. He's talented. He's smart. He's a leader. That group will become better inherently by having a guy like Jalen Hurts. And I don't think Carson Wentz is void of that. I think he can learn from Jalen Hurts in certain perspective, perspectives. I think Jalen can work with him. And collectively, they can be, it can be a good position group. I just don't know why we're so scared of it, especially with how important the position is. Now, I, I don't know. Well, maybe, okay, part of, part of it is we are scared of it. And by we, the greater we are scared of it. Again, I, I still can't reconcile the fact that you have a quarterback and a team that has a fair amount of talent. Mm-hmm. And you could have added to that fair amount of talent by adding another impact who? player at who? 53. And we keep saying we keep saying just like another guy. Like who? Like you want to talk about Mims, like Denzel Mims, for example, because that's a lot of the that's a, what a lot Mims. of people want. 
I mean, look, there were there were there were cornerbacks on the board, Christian Fulton. I mean, there's there's a couple there. We draft cornerbacks, fantastic, right? We've well, been we don't, great well, at drafting well, corners. Well, but but again, you justify the pick by saying you saw the pick in context, and you say this is okay. This is a future draft. How much how much faith should we have in Davion Taylor? How much faith should we have in Sean Bradley or Quez Watkins when they draft guys in the second, third, and fourth round who stink? No, no, but Agreed. see, this for me is, and this is my, this, this was my kind of complaint about this draft is the, the old regime, the Joe Douglas regime was just, uh, let's hold it close to the vest. Let's find like, I don't know, like low risk, low floor guys. Like I like, like Derek Barnett. And like, I don't know, this was, it just seems like there can never be a happy medium. Like it was like, they, they swung for the fences and I understand you need speed, but you couldn't mix in maybe like something. It's just, they went to the complete extreme in terms of, like, I don't know, upside. Because a lot of the guys they've drafted in the last years had no upside. Right. And now we're drafting all upside guys. And it's like, can I, can, can you not? Like, because really, this draft is going to decide. And uh, no, no, that's wrong because he, he's the golden boy. But I, I mean, this really is one of those drafts where can make or break a, like, a franchise. And I, and Howie Roseman has not, I, I don't have the benefit of the doubt in terms of drafting with Howie Roseman. I don't. And you're not wrong for that. Uh, again, everything I'm saying, nothing I mean to imply says that anybody's wrong. Because first and foremost, at the end of the day, none of us have any idea. We don't know who the best player in this draft is. Not with the Eagles, just the, who the best put. We don't know any more about Jalen Hurts than we do Joe Burrow. All right, mm-hmm. and, and that's the reality because none of these guys have taken NFL snaps. So for me, I always hold off two to three years before I start judging the draft class. So with that in mind, we have no idea. And, and you're not wrong to say that. Again, I agree with you. I would have gone a different direction in the second round. I just can start to process and understand it. But you're not wrong to, to lack faith in, in Howie's decisions in the past. Again, as I said earlier, I love the fact that they showed a direction. I love the fact that they stayed true to their, to their board. Obviously, they stayed true to their board, right? Or else I don't think you would have seen a quarterback taken in the second round. But they had him ranked. He was on their board. It was a position they valued. They pulled the trigger on it. But for me, I think the reality is – the reason people are so upset is simply this draft was stacked with wide receivers. We knew it. First of all, we all got butt hurt because they didn't get CD, CD Lamb in the first round. And to make matters worse, um, to put salt in the wound, he went to Dallas. But as you start to peel the onions back, you know, this whole situation starts to make sense. Um, he, they didn't go in the direction that Philadelphia fans wanted him to go. That's the reality. I will put a caveat on that because for all the people that wanted a wide receiver – and I know why they wanted a wide receiver, right? Look who we look who we ended the season with. We're talking <laughs> about Davis and Burnett and Greg Ward. That's I get that, but the thing that, that I think a lot of people are skipping over—that's not who you're starting the season with. The best thing that the Eagles are going to do, just by default, is get healthy. Roy, we were talking about it uh, last year during the season that you know prior to Week One, we thought, hey, is this is this the best roster that the Eagles have ever put together? And we, we literally debated that. And we talked about the offensive group and you had Alshon and Nelson and you had Deshaun Jackson. Okay. Now Alshon will start on the pup list and Nelson's gone. And some will argue that that's addition by subtraction, but it ain't like the cupboards are completely bare. They were, they were doomed by injury last year. That group will get better. They added to it with speed. They added to it with their first round pick in Jalen Rieger and those picks complement who their stars are in Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, and we know that they addressed the, the running back position last year. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Howie Roseman's out here saying, hey, Carson, you're on your own. You have no weapons. That, it's just <laughs> not the case. Let me ask you this one question, then we'll, we'll yeah. take a break after this. And Chris brought this up a little bit. Is it fair or how fair is it that we are cautiously optimistic when it comes to Howie Roseman? Because, again – they traded up in the first round to draft Andre Dillard. And again, there's still whispers that Jason Peters might come back this year to be the starting, the starter at left tackle. Um, they guaranteed Alshon's deal. And then a month later, they regretted it and, and wanted to put him on a trade block. You drafted a wide receiver in the second round last year, uh, Jay Jaw, who can't get on the field apparently at all uh, this, this year. And then now you draft, you know, you make a questionable decision in the eyes of some of Jalen Hurts. There's a fair amount of there's a fair amount of reason to criticize or, or be questionable about how Roseman's decisions going forward, correct? Yeah, I mean it's always we're always allowed to be critical. We're always allowed to question it. That and it's always going to be justified. That's fine. I'm not I'm not asking anybody to stop questioning anything. But the reality of the situation is the positions we're we're questioning are not the important ones. He nailed the quarterback position. 
He, I mean, they nailed the, the right tackle. They have one of the best right tackles. They have the one, of, one of the best centers in the game. They, mm-hmm. they nailed the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. That is where the Eagles are strong. So no matter how much Howie Roseman strikes at swings and misses on corners, or no matter how much he swings and misses on wide receivers, year after year after year, this team is competitive. They make a playoff run. They won the Super Bowl in 2017. And it wasn't because they had the best offensive weapons, the best wideouts in football. It's because they were strong in the trenches. Now, mm-hmm. we'll have to see what, what goes down with Andre Dillard right. because, I mean, I said this earlier too, I wouldn't be surprised if Jason Peters came back, and I'd be okay with it. That's not the greatest sign for Andre Dillard, though, let's no. be honest. No. Um, but we did see him. I think a lot of it's revisionist history or prisoners of the moment. Last time we saw the kid, it was a right tackle. So that's kind of etched in our brain. This is a left tackle through and through. It's who he mm-hmm. was, it's what he was, it's how he was brought up. Um, if they bring Jason Peters back and give him that starting spot, okay, then we can start to say what's going on with Andre Dillard and were some of those rumors true. But by and large, how he nails from a draft perspective the positions that for me matter the most, and that's the quarterback and the trenches. But uh, I, I think I, I'd agree. However, all those guys you mentioned, Kelsey, Johnson, they were drafted years ago. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, and I feel like there's always this, oh, um, Oh, but Joe Douglas might have uh, had a lot of say in that. I want to hold Howie Roseman accountable for a draft. But, but, okay, so let me – and I know we got to go to break, Roy. I, I'm mm-hmm. with you on that. So let me ask you that because you're right. Jason Kelsey, mm-hmm. is he going to retire? Is he not? Does he have a year? Does he have two? W- would we be acting the same exact way? It, look, last year they drafted Dillard, and he didn't really see any snaps, and we were okay with that. And what if this year they said, you know what, we're going to go draft Ruiz just in case – he decides to retire after next year. That's another weapon, another first-round pick that's not going to see the field. And I don't think anyone would have said boo about it. So I think, again, a lot of people are just looking at this for face value and saying, it's not a weapon for Carson. It's not somebody that can help right now. When the reality is, it just wasn't a guy that they saw coming. It's not a position that they wanted to address. But good football teams, don't worry about just today. It's about how can I plan for tomorrow as well. And quarterback factories plan for tomorrow as well. Right. The Eagles believe they are the quarterback <laughs> factory. We'll talk about more about the draft on the other side. You're listening to the Broad Street Line on 106.5 FM, WPPM, LP, Philadelphia. Nobody pray for me. It's been a day for me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember syrup sandwiches and crime allowances. Finessing on them with some counterfeits, but now I'm counting this. Parmesan with my accountant lives, in fact I'm down in this say with my boobay, tastes like Kool-Aid for the analyst Girl, I can buy your Westie girl with my base stuff I know that it's good, won't you sit it on my taste buds I get way too petty, won't you let me do the extras Pull up on your block and break it down, we playing Tetris AM to the PM, PM to the AM phone Eat up your per diem, you just gotta hate them phone If I quit your BM, I still rock Mercedes phone I quit this season, I still beat the greatest funk. My left stroke just went viral. Right stroke, put the baby in the spiral. Surprise. Welcome back, segment number two of the show. We're going to talk about the draft pick by pick for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's start with that pick, the first pick, the first round pick on Thursday, four picks after we saw CD Lamb snatch his phone away from his girlfriend. The Eagles, <laughs> who did not trade their draft capital up for CD Lamb. Wound up with Jalen Rager, the wide receiver from TCU. Very quick, bl- a big play threat, stretch the field kind of guy. He's a guy who's probably – well, actually, I don't, want, I don't want to speak for you guys. So, Chris, let me start with you. Is he the guy that, that you think is going to have the biggest impact in year one of this class? Oh, he needs to – no, like, the, the thing is, does he need to be or, or will he be? Or will he be? Will I, he be? I think people have just gotten, like, I don't know, um, I, I guess – spoiled when they see guys like Terry McLaurin and D and DK Metcalf, like for every DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin, there's an Andy Isabella, there's a Nikhil Harry, there's a J jaw. I, I mean, like I, like I personally don't, I, I personally keep my expectations for, for rookie wide receivers in perspective. However, he will need to be game planned for. And that, and that part, I, I mean, cause ain't no one was, was was game planning for Robert Davis. So, I, I mean, and one, when this guy runs a jet sweep, you know that a couple defenders are, are going to go his way. And I think that is, like Jason said, that's got to open up the field for Sanders, for Goddard, because now 
I think it's one of those things where, like, someone – you're going to need to, like, get someone that commands attention. And, and whether it's Rager, whether it's Deshaun back, I don't – I mean, I don't trust that. But, I mean, like, like you need someone to get eyes on uh, – multiple eyes. And hopefully Rager does that this year because, man, he's fast. And, I mean, he can take a jet sweep to the house. He can take a sweep to the house. So, like, I just feel like all – like – his like his potential to break one opens it up for everyone else. That's my hope. Yeah, and I think look, will he be? I don't know. Does he need to be? Not necessarily, um, because that what they need is an, an explosive playmaker. What they need is we already know that this team runs through Zach Ertz. We know that. So if we can get weapons on the outside that can stretch the field. And, and even for, for Rieger, the insurance policy is a good one. You saw they went out and got a guy with similar skill sets that can take a top off a of defense, that can just open things up with explosive plays. As Chris said, make a team game plan for that. I'm not t- <clears throat> Look, at the end of the day, again, we don't know. I can't tell you whether CeeDee Lamb is going to be any better than Rager, which is going to be any better than Ayuk, which is going to be any better than any other wide receiver in this draft. But what I do know is – what they were lacking last year, what they were trying to do on offense, they simply didn't have the outside weapons to do those things, to put their playmakers that they did have in a position. Because they were just empty on the outside, right? They were so beat up that they were just void of any, of any explosion or dy- dynamic playmaking on the outside, and that's what Rieger does. So will he be? I don't know. I'm excited to see it. I have limited expectations as well. But by and large, teams have to plan for it, and that will open up things just inherently. Oh, no, and and oh, sorry, Ryan. I think that this guy was probably one of the most important position coaches before, but he sure as hell now. Mm. Aaron Moorhead. I, I mean, like, I don't want to hear any more about. Oh, you can't like, like these guys more more than any draft you'll see in years need developing. They need to be coached up. They need to learn. They need to learn the route tree. They need to learn everything. So, this is on Aaron Moorhead. I don't want to hear about. Oh, oh, like like these guys have potential. So let's bring it out in them. Yeah, this was a team that was strictly devoid of playmakers, you know, at the end of the season, other other than Miles Sanders. And now you have guys, like you said, Jason, who can take the top off of defense, which is why I was in favor of this pick over Justin Jefferson. I know it wasn't a very popular pick at the time it was made, but this guy, Jalen Rieger, was a better fit for this offense. He he, he fills more boxes or checks, checks off more boxes for this offense than Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson was more productive, had more catches, was you know exceptional in the, in the college football playoff playoffs. He's a very he's going to be a very good wide receiver. He's not a take the top off the guy de- uh, defense kind of guy. He's not a guy who like you said, Chris, who's going to get who's going to command multiple sets of eyes of the defense. If you have a Jalen Rager and a Miles Sanders and a Deshaun Jackson on the field at the same time, maybe and maybe you have a Dallas Goddard or Zach Ertz or whatever, you have a lot of options that defense need to game plan for. So I, I'm a huge fan of this Jalen Rager pick. I like this pick a lot. Um, I'm oh, sorry. Right? Yeah. And for me, like Jason said, need to maximize those tight ends because you, you devoted so many resources to them. You want your offense to basically run to flow through those tight ends. So getting guys on the outside that will take, that will take a safety away from the middle or take a linebacker away from the middle. It, it's more power and it, and it only helps out Ertz and, and Geyer that much more. Jason, let's talk about this, this uh, Jalen Hurts pick for a second as far as what he's going to do on the field in 2020. Now, we've heard stories about how he's, you know, quote-unquote, Taysom Hill on steroids, whatever that means. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure what that means. Skip Bayless, who just talks out of, you know, yeah. probably the wrong side of his anatomy, says that he's probably going to be a straight-up running back this year, which I don't see. You, I'm going to put you inside by that. Way, oh, by the way, yeah. that would be a fireable offense for me because you do not, like, if if – if you want to develop them and, and, and make them into this hot commodity, but the last thing you should be doing is running this kid into the ground because that is absolute yeah. insanity if that's your if, – if you're trying to make him uh, the Cam Newton, that would be the, the most bizarre thing ever. Like if, if you want to put in packages for him, if, if you want to use him as Taysom Hill lighter, whatever the hell they want to call him, yeah, don't use him as a running back. That would be – the, the the biggest sin for me. Sorry, Jason. Let me put you in that that offensive yeah. the, the quote unquote offensive coordinator <laughs> room. Even though there is no OC, but there's eight guys calling plays. Um, if you had if you had the keys, if you were drawing up plays, if you were drawing up schemes for Jalen Hurts, how would you use him this year? 
Well, in a combination of ways. First and foremost, he's not a Taysom Hill. At least I think it's disrespectful to call him a Taysom Hill. He's not a gadget guy. He's a quarterback. I think he showed that throughout his his entire career. Look, the guy won a national – I know we're talking college. Mm-hmm. But the guy won a national championship as a freshman, lost his job the next year after Tua took over. Tua turned out to be the third overall pick, so it was with merit. He sat behind him, was a fantastic teammate, got his ticket, went over to Georgia SEC Championship back in the – college playoff. He's a good quarterback. He will contribute mm-hmm. to an NFL team. What that means for post 2020, meaning his long-term, we don't know. We'll figure that out. Obviously he, like all rookie quarterbacks, they have to develop, but in the short term, I see them trying to get certain packages for him just to get him involved. And like we were talking about with Rager, make defenses think I'm not sitting here trying to reinvent the wheel or overthink things. So I don't want to get too cute with stuff. I'm not a big fan of getting real cute, but a simple way, look, he's got RPO experience. So if it's ever needed, they don't have to change the entire offense. So God forbid if Wentz goes down or gets a little banged up, he can fill in uh, on spot duty, but even something as simple as really, we talk about it all the time on birds outsiders, third and one, fourth and one, let's go. Mm-hmm. QB sneak, get it up the gut. You got You have to convert those. If we're going to have these um, concerns, we'll say over Carson Wentz' health or some of the ticks that he uh, hits that he takes. Okay, so Jalen has proven time and time again he can pick those up. I think last year alone he was eleven for twelve in converting in third and fourth and short. So if, if I can save my franchise guy from taking up those hits, and I've got a guy that I've drafted and invested in and I'm developing, and I can get him certain looks to pick up first downs and save my franchise guy from taking those hits. That's another area where I think that they could try to get him in certain packages, get him again. I'm not trying to get cute. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm just saying for 2020, as they develop him, I think those are some packages that you could see him in. See, I feel like with the, with Jalen Hurts, this team is going to be trying to be so cute. Like, I hope not. I, no, no, I just feel like you're going to like see like like I, like like both Hurts and Wentz in the backfield, like a halfback toss and a pass. Like Mark Sanchez, <laughs> Mark Sanchez split out. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like they like and and I and I and I read all this press Taylor stuff. It, I like I feel like they took the Philly special and it went to their head. We're like, okay, like we just want to Super Bowl on a gadget play. Let's try to create all the gadget plays, but, but damn it. Like, I, I mean, like it just comes down to, are you better than the, than the man across from you? Like, that's where I just like, I understand. And, and, and people see with like Andy Reed, like, like, like the only thing he's really doing is motion. Like, I, I mean, he's not, he's not doing anything. Wrong. So like, like you said, Jason, let's not get cute with it. Use them in, in some, use them in some RPOs and use them in some short down stuff. But God, let's not like throw like the wide receiver screen and then a pass. Like I, I mean, that's this is not Tommy Maddox and Cordell Stewart. Yeah, right? this is not, we're not getting that cute. He's a backup quarterback. You said, are you better than the man you know in front of you or in this case next to you? Is he better than Nate Sudfeld? Some will say yes. Some will say no. So we don't know. Mm-hmm. But if it if it's up to me, I feel better having a guy with the pedigree of a Jalen Hurts. Then I do a Nate Sudfeld, albeit we've seen Nate Sudfeld in the NFL and he's got that advantage. There's no denying that. But long term, I think you've got a better a better QB option. I think that's why he was the pick. I think that's what his role will be. Backup quarterback. Let me let me just make one point, because, again, because there could be a point where the Eagles get gimmicky. But let me just make one point with this Jalen Hurts thing. Are you concerned that if the Eagles kind of put him in in packages early in the game? Are you concerned about the negative effect that will have on Carson Wentz in terms of him finding a rhythm? Because again, we've seen we saw a lot last year where Carson Wentz was terrible to start games, just mm-hmm. inaccurate. It was mm-hmm. horrible. Like you would look at the first half stats, he'd have sixty yards, and then at the end of the game, he'd have like two seventy or something. Because mm-hmm. it takes a while for him, for whatever reason, to get into a rhythm to find some kind of chemistry with those wide receivers. If you're pulling them off the field, you know, every you know two or three possessions, does that have a negative impact on his rhythm? Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. We, we that to me that's unacceptable. I'm not looking to get a guy to come in there and literally take series away from Carson Wentz. I mean, I get it that there are certain packages you're going to want to run or certain ways that you may try to implement him, but I'm not looking to take series away from my franchise quarterback. I think, as you put, that's going to destroy the rhythm. To Chris's mm-hmm. point, that's where they start getting cute. Right. God, Chris, I hope you are wrong. And if, and if they start doing that, I will be on that train with you. We'll be <laughs> tooting that thing on the way. So, so for me, yeah, I hope they don't do that. Hey, Roy, do you know who probably doesn't care about Carson Wentz? Eagles! Like, it just, <laughs> really just feels like, like, 
I don't know what there was a seminal moment that happened. Maybe it was the concussion because I couldn't imagine being like a coach or like, I, I mean, it was a fluke play that, that, that play mm-hmm. happened dozens of times in, in, in a week's worth of NFL games. But the fact that you made the playoffs and, and, and Carson Wentz for not, for no fault of his own, didn't finish the game. Do you think that that probably just like compelled the Eagles to be like, Hey, we don't want to do this, but you know what? Maybe we do. We need to get a, a little bigger insurance policy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you don't go driving a Ferrari and then not have a good insurance plan on it. Yeah. Or, you know or, I mean? I'm not going to Geico for my Lamborghini. Yeah. <laughs> like you also needed to have something like, oh wow, like I almost like I don't know, like 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 a Mack truck almost hit me, but I was like, oh my god! But I at least I have the opportunity now to not have that happen because I really feel like something and like must have like where his injury history was was just compelling like, because regardless of what people say this is an absolute referendum on the on like I don't know how long it is but you don't make this unless you are not 100% not 90% but not 100% sure that this guy is the answer for the next half decade maybe two maybe three years but I don't know if these guys think he's the answer for the net for in, in five years who Carson yeah. So I, the only reason that I'll disagree with that, and, and to answer your question, for yes, obviously, do you have, let me ask you, Chris, do you have concerns over Carson Wentz's injury? No, 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 no. Me personally, I like, like, I feel like I like, like. I'm not I, saying you're saying he's injury prone. No, I don't. But when you think Carson Wentz, do you ever think, I hope he can stay healthy? Yes, shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. 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 I, because we all do. Because whenever we talk about Carson Wentz, it's always as long as that dude can stay healthy, right? He, hey, he can stay healthy. And, and that's true for all players. Mm-hmm. But for Carson specifically, right? We saw in the preseason in 2016 when he had the rib injury. We saw it in 2017 with the ACL, 18 with the back, 19 with the concussion. Every year it's been something. So if the layman, if I can see it and Chris can see it and Roy, I know you can see it and every mm-hmm. other logical Eagles fan out there knows that we don't want to say it's injury prone or we don't want to say it's a quote unquote issue, but it's just, it's part of the conversation. Yeah. And why are we expecting the Eagles to be ignorant or naive to it? They see it too. So mm-hmm. that's not them saying, I don't think he's the guy for five years. If they felt that, I don't think they pay him $128 million, but it is the Eagles saying, I see the same thing everyone else sees. And we just have to make sure that as an organization, as a team, because I got 52 other guys here that are relying on having a quarterback to do his job so we can right. go win some football games here. It's ignorant and naive of the Eagles not to see that and address it as well. Well, you know, I'll give them credit for for realizing what we've seen for years that where they haven't had linebackers in the linebacker room, period. Right, right. Finally drafted one in the Three third of them. round. Three of them. Well, well, in the third round, though, Davion Taylor, uh-huh. the linebacker uh-huh. from Colorado. Physical, you know, a lot of raw tools. Um, again, your, your initial reaction to that pick, Jason. Uh, initial reaction was uh, raw, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I mean, when you watch him play, the first thing you see is speed and athleticism. But yeah. the truth is, he's raw. The the I think that they can get away with that because he is that guy that can in certain pack. Hey, look, he's got the speed and the athleticism to cover in space, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But he's big enough, fast enough, strong enough that it looks like he's got a little thump to him. Right. Um, so I think with the way the NFL is going. You have to have guys that are versatile at the linebacker position. It's no longer the Nigel Bradham league. It's no longer the Takeo Spikes, the Ray Lewis league, where you just have this stout middle linebacker that doesn't need to worry about coverage and just my job is to stop the run. Some teams are still still leaning that way, but by and large, the NFL is about more athletic linebackers that have versatility in their game because you don't know if this linebacker is going to get caught in in a matchup situation where he's got to cover a wide receiver. Maybe he's stuck on a tight end. Maybe he's got the back out of the backfield. So from a versatility perspective, an athleticism perspective, I understand the pick, tons of upside, mm-hmm. and I don't know enough about the linebacker position in this draft enough to say I would have went with this guy because he fits exactly this way. I love the fact that they're getting more athletic as a defensive group, period. No, they're, they're getting super athletic, you know, with him, of course, with Kayvon Wallace in the fourth round. Let's get the to safety, that one. The safety out of Clemson. Chris, let me start with you. Your, your reaction to that, the, the Kayvon Wallace pick? Um, I think that Kayvon Wallace will, will, will end up, he, for me, he will be the number one producing draft pick in this draft, because I think it's almost, because they'll find a ways to get him involved. And, and I think in terms of the linebacker, 
the, that defensive line does so much of the work. They really just need guys to win one-on-one. We're like, I don't know, like don't miss tackles. Like, I, mm-hmm. I mean, because like your, your linebackers are rarely seeing a lot of, a lot of heat. So like th- they're just saying, okay, make, make a play in space, do the occasional cover and you're good. That's why I think guys like Wallace are, are that much more important because they just rely so many, they rely so much on those hybrid guys. And, and Wallace is a linebacker slash safety, more, more so with safety. Let me say this too about Wallace because we talk about productivity. And I mean, all the talk at Clemson was Isaiah Simmons, right? right? And there was only one other guy on that defense that had uh, similar numbers in terms of at least 50 plus tackles and at least two interceptions and two force bumps. It was Simmons and it was Wallace. And mm-hmm. again, when we talk about guys with versatility, whether he's able to cover in space or whether they bring him down to, uh, to play in the box a little bit, what I love about uh, when, we, when you team up, and it's not to say these guys are going to be your starters week one. Again, we don't know. But what I love about both of these guys and their versatility, their athleticism, is what the Eagles have invested in with one of the, the sneakiest free agent additions it, is Hargrave. Yep. And they've, they've invested in that defensive line yet again. So ideally, when you have Hargrave and Fletcher Cox, when you go down the defensive line, if those offensive linemen don't get to the second level and those defensive linemen can eat them up and let their mm-hmm. athletic linebackers behind them make a play in space, that's where their athleticism takes over. Right. right? So the Eagles are building it to say, stop them up front. Let's eat up those offensive linemen and let our athletic linebackers, if they need to, don't worry about shedding blocks. Just go in in space with your speed, make some plays. What will be the best unit in 2020, the defense or the offense? I hope the defense. I hope because I already know the offense is good. If that defense right. can be literally good. the better unit, then I would be I'd be very impressed. And and they really should be. They've made a lot of additions. Yeah. I love what I think Darius Slay is going to do for that group. There's certain and I, look again. You win and lose football games for me in the trenches. I think they have one of the most stout defensive lines. So I would I would like to say the defense will be the better of the two. Let's just hope Derek Barnett can uh, um, actually come close to. I know you're, uh, Jason. I know you're. I, I, I just, I need more. I'm. I'm you should. I'm, yeah. No, I, you I, should I, absolutely I, expect more. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't we expect more out of him? Right. He was so hyped up about what he did at Tennessee. He was a premium first round pick. All I say with with Derek Barnett is I'm just higher on him than most are. He's not a bad player. He just hasn't lived up to the billing. We need more production out of the position. I yeah. just don't want to go down this Mike Mamula path. Oh, no. oh he's a bust. <laughs> you know, because Mike Mamula was a productive player. He just, he just wasn't, wasn't. He didn't warrant he the pick. Cap, he just wasn't captain combine. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think yeah. people were just expecting, oh, he jumps out of the gym. He's going to get – like, he's going to be Kevin Green. But, like, yeah. I mean, like, like it wasn't his fault that he was overdrafted. I, yeah, I mean, he was – And over- he may not even have been overdrafted. We don't know that. Let's, let's rewind to 2017 because a lot of people say not to go on a tangent with Derek Barnett. But a lot of people say all he did was recover a fumble in the Super Bowl. That's why we know Derek <laughs> Barnett. Okay, well, let's just avoid the, the strip sack he had against the Vikings in the NFC Championship. But the bigger picture is dude was on the field. Mm-hmm. He was for the, in the Super Bowl for the biggest play in franchise history. Dude was one of 11 people on the football field. He earned his way on there. He was productive. The problem is injuries have slowed him up. He just hasn't, he hasn't been able to cross that threshold. Uh, of what we expect from the position from a production perspective. You need him to do that. They've already picked up the fifth-year option. Need him to take that next step because as a group, they need more production out of that. Oh, no, no. Like if he – because I don't think it could get any better for him. He's playing next to, to Cox and Hargrave. Yeah. I mean, they are no going, excuses. No, no, yeah, no. Like I, I mean, he can say, oh, that, that defensive tackle depth has been – no, like you're going to have Malik Jackson, you're going to have Hargrave and, and Fletcher Cox. Yeah. So no more excuses, man. Nope. Nope. All right. We got a couple minutes left. I do want to talk about briefly about the rest of the draft. Is there anybody else, Jason? I'll start with you. Is there anybody else in the rest of the draft class that, that stands out to you specifically? Uh, stands out to me. So, look, and I just said this. I'm not trying to be a homer. I do like Sean Bradley, and it's not because I think he's going to come in right away and be a, uh, a linebacker that gets serious burn in 2020. I love him on special teams. Mm-hmm. I've seen him at Temple. They run fakes with him. They try to leverage his athleticism. If he's going to develop into a linebacker in the NFL, he better play special teams. And a lot of your later draft round picks are specific for special teams. He's a guy that I can think add, that will add athleticism to him. And because of the plays that he makes on special teams, we'll keep him around and allow him to kind of figure out if he's going to be an NFL linebacker or not. 
but he's a guy that I looked at and just said, I'm good with it. We, yeah. There are three phases to the game. It's not just offense, defense. Special mm-hmm. teams matters in the NFL, so go get yourself some playmakers for that too. Yeah, no, Sean, Sean Brown is going to be a really good special teamer. Again, I don't hold a lot of weight in these later round picks given <laughs> how he rules how he his track record, but I think Sean Brown is going to be a contributor on special teams pretty early um, in his career. And, and I like Quez Watkins. I'm not going to say that I don't. I might okay. even like him more than Hightower. Okay. So just, just in terms of where I'm at, I, the kid, I saw a stat the other day. There were three players in the NCAA last year that had that averaged 100 yards a game and mm-hmm. over 18 yards per reception. It was Jamar Chase. We all know who Jamar Chase is. It right. was CeeDee Lamb. We all know who CeeDee Lamb is. And then rounded out by your boy Watkins. So to Go get ahead. him where they got him, okay, let me see it. Let me just – no expectations. Let me see, see that it. speed. Let's see that oh, speed. No, and I think that, like, I, I mean, in terms of this draft, because the wide receivers were so deep, treat like a sixth-round pick in this year's draft – might have been a fourth or maybe a third-round pick in a lesser draft. So that's where I feel like if the, if I'm going to consider this draft a relative success, you got to hit on one. You got to hit on either Watkins or Hightower. Like I, I mean, those are like you need that that like mid-round steal that just like I don't know that that's a burner. I, I mean, mm-hmm. like I mean, someone compared. Um, I, I think uh, Watkins to uh, Todd Pinkston, and I got PT. Oh, I saw that too. Because <laughs> so, he was a Southern Miss, is that what we're doing? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope. But it's lazy. I, it's lazy. But yeah. I mean, like, you see these guys. These guys are like the thing that I've learned is you can translate separation to the next level. These guys are running past guys. Like, I, I mean, I, I've learned that contested catches is not a translatable thing because I, I mean, like, the guys are bigger and and but you can't you can translate speed and. That kid Watkins, man, holy smokes. I mean, like, he is running away from guys. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, why not? Why not, Quez? Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? All right, we have, like, two minutes left. Jason, I know you're a basketball guy. I do want to ask you this before we get you out of here. Sure. What, how, how great has this Last Dance documentary been on ESPN? I mean, I know we have nothing else to watch right now because we're all quarantined up. But this Last Dance Bulls documentary, how great has this been? Uh, it's phenomenal. And I'll tell you, it's phenomenal because when, when I heard that they were going to do a 10-part series on the Bulls, my initial thought was, ah, all right, another document. Like, I already know. I, I, yeah, we yeah. all love those Bulls teams. Like, what are we going to do? This thing is phenomenal. It's taken so many twists and turns of, of just real-life stuff, mm-hmm. the real human being. Side. Like, just the image of MJ, they tried to paint this picture of who MJ was with McDonald's and, you know, getting him all these sponsorships and he's this wholesome guy. And then <laughs> I love the fact that it's unedited because it's yeah. real, it's raw. You, and look, MJ could be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to curse, but MJ could be yeah. an a-hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, that's what made him so great. Mm-hmm. He had that, he had that fire in him and you're seeing it for me. This series is absolutely phenomenal. No, it's oh, no, and I think yeah. Also that like, I just, I, I think when you heard about the last dance, it was just, Oh, this this documentary on the final NBA. Yeah, it, you can't tell the story about the last championship it, without telling about basically the lineage. Yep. Since, since MJ was drafted to the Bad Boys to to the Knicks, I mean, like you can't you can't tell that story without mentioning everything else. And, and to your point, I found a thread, and they were talking about how confusing it was, and they can't tell well where where's the story at, and what year is it, and it's hard for them to follow. I think that's awesome. I could, I'm following it completely to your point. You can't tell the story of that final season unless right. you know the beginning. And it's just the way they're jockeying back and forth and keeping the story move. I absolutely love it. It's just so good. Like, I mean, I don't care about the time shift. If it's if it's entertaining television, yeah. and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's fine. This is great television. Yeah. You know, we're four episodes in. We have six more to go, which I'm looking forward to each and every one. I got the DVR already fired up for the, for the next ones coming up this weekend so it's gonna be a good good time mr ashford thank you i know real quick before we get out yes yes one other interesting thing about that so with all the nba players this year being buddy buddy and friends and jordan's out there playing golf right jordan playing golf like what was did we just gloss over that (laughs) well jordan never would have and and barkley never Never, would have never out there swinging (laughs) his sticks with some competition playing golf with isaiah thomas so (laughs) okay fair enough that's true Mr. Ashford, thanks for joining us, man. This is good stuff, man. We got to do this again. We got to do it again. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Um, That is it for this edition of the Broad Street Line. Until next week, we are out of here. Mr. Domingo, take us out, please. Have a great weekend, everyone. See you guys.
Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you ultimate control. With the XFi app, you can pause the Wi-Fi at the push of a button. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet with Xfinity Flex, a 4K streaming device included, so you can search less and watch more. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Flex.